So we, we have been talking the last number of weeks. Does it not make that noise when I come forward? Oh. That was why I was like. Oh, sorry. Who's driving here? The camera can't see you. can't see you. The camera can't see you. The camera can't see you. The For those of you who know me, when you ask how are you, ever my answer is always, yeah, we're good. So I hope that, like me, the last number of weeks you've been sitting in a wee bit of a cold sweat as Chantel and Paul and Kate have spoken about stopping, resting, gliding. Like, you know, it's, it seems insurmountable, doesn't it, to give up a whole day and once a week for the purpose of Sabbath, and yet we, we know how important it is. Um, I think I might find it easier to drop a stone and weigh it overnight <laughs> than to stop on a Sunday. And uh, I feel like I need to then qualify myself, so I'm not too much of a hypocrite standing here. I've worked as many things over the years. I'm currently a physiotherapist, but during university days, I worked as a PT at the leisure centre. So dropping a stone and weight, losing weight, is something that I'm familiar with. And I know that what seems like a big challenge sometimes is much easier if it's broken down into small, incremental, slow steps, like losing weight, like rearranging our week. Massive immediate change very rarely works, but little small changes often leads to success. I seem to be in constant perpetual motion. It's my default setting. As most of you know, my dad um, was up well for a number of years. And while I have two jobs where I work privately as well, and I, uh, I work in the NHS, but I was also in this insane mental hamster wheel of researching every cancer alternative option that I could find. There was no rest or escape from it for what felt like a long time. And when he died a few months ago, I found it really hard to come back from this real crazy insane mental all go, 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 and to bring myself down. So back I went to my Christian counsellor, who I've dipped in and out of with many times over the years. And she helped me put in place mental health strategies to help me wind down, but really just wind my neck in. <laughs> uh, I was very fortunate that I could be off work and spend a bit of time just helping uh, calm down a little bit. And I got really good at the practice of being busy. It was amazing. I had uh, a few months of just settling myself in my mind and, and digging down into some of my issues. Something that um, I worked on a lot, which was super helpful, was soaking prayer or scriptural meditation. And one day I even did two hours and I wasn't sleeping. <laughs> it was so cool. Change, uh, slowing down my pace of life, I know, had to be incremental and intentional. But then I went back to work. And I have gone through January like a hot knife through butter. I don't know if anybody else feels the same way, but I went back to the Royal, back to private work in the evenings, teaching Pilates, back to scoliosis work at the weekends. And so these last few weeks that we've been talking about this subject, I have found it really challenging. And I'm hoping that you, are, you did too. We've had four weeks now of this subject, and I'm hoping that 
I would imagine, I'm not asked for a show of hands, but here we are four weeks later, and has anybody really made significant change in their week and in their Sunday? It's such a big task, but it's not something that's going to happen in a four-week period of time. It's going to be something that, as we work through the weeks and try and rearrange our days a little bit, um, it'll happen as time goes on. It's a biblical practice, and it's one of our Ten Commandments, but it seems to be so far removed from how we currently do life. So just to recap, 156 days ago, at the start of January, that's how it feels for me, <laughs> Paul kicked off the new year with the prequel to our Sabbath four-week rest series. He spoke about finding space in our day and in our week, and budgeting our time like we might budget our finances, especially as many of us maybe have been doing recently in these current financial times. So an example of this for me is my morning creed coffee on my way to work versus putting the heat on at home. So I appreciate that seems like a big thing. I'm not like two things that are worlds apart. But then one of my friends very unhelpfully pointed out that if I'm stopping for coffee every morning on the way to work, in a year I've spent 828 pounds of coffee. That actually is a tank of oil. So do you know, so how I've maybe started to look then at changing my finances a little bit is how I've also started to try and look at how I changed how I spent my time in the week. Paul's um, prequel was a really great start to these few weeks. But when I look at my Sunday, Sunday for me, and I, I guess probably for you too, is the day that you catch up on your Monday to Saturday stuff, things that didn't get done. And it might be then the day that you prep for your incoming week. If I take Sunday out of my week, my whole week will fall apart. So I had to really give that an awful lot of thought. Paul challenged us to create space so that we might become more intentional doing the hands and feet stuff of Jesus. A bit like Tetris. Does anybody remember the Tetris game? Like I lost days and months to this game at one point, I'm sure. It got faster and faster and you had to slot all of the little boxes into the right place. And so my week, I'm trying to think, how can I be more creative in my week and slot my activities into different places? For one of those things for me, was about maybe how I spent my time watching TV, for example. So I have stopped watching TV Monday through to Thursday, and then use that time to maybe create some space at the weekend and on my Sunday. Now before you all run out and think, oh, she's so rock and roll, no coffee, no TV, it's party at Emma's house. <laughs> I'm glad we should find me right there, what on earth are you doing? So um, just then, a wee recap quickly on what we've spoken about. The first week, Chantelle spoke about stopping. And what struck me the most about her talk was when she spoke about rhythms. I love the cycles of life, the rhythms of earth, and particularly how our bodies respond to those things, and circadian rhythms, is, for example. So our circadian rhythms is our, our dictate our sleeping patterns. Sleeping is so important to health. Getting sunlight in your eyeballs early in the morning, getting low light in the evening, and resetting those natural rhythms. When Chantel reminded us how God rested on the seventh day and therefore built a rhythm into the fabric of creation. How awesome is that? He built a rhythm into the fabric of creation. Chantel had my attention at that. A natural rhythm, something we are built for and designed for. It's our natural disposition to have that six to one ratio of time throughout our week, but we don't do it. 
and then we become frazzled and burnt out and no rest and we wonder why. Chantel also spoke about research findings that demonstrate how people who practice Sabbath live 11 years longer than those who don't. Well, that was me. These are the kind of metrics that I love. <laughs> On week two, Kate spoke to us about rest, and she spoke about how our devices and technology have created cultural expectations that we're on all the time. She spoke to us about how the impact of these have on us and that Sabbath might help us find our way back to a more natural, God-designed way of living. And she kind of likened that to the slavery of the Israelites that the Israelites experienced in Egypt. Last week, Paul spoke to us about delight. Neither a serious day full of legalistic duty nor a day just to chill out, but spending time in each other's company, being intentional about sharing, participating in activities that make your heart sing. A wee bit like Paul last week, this introduction seems to be taking about 16 minutes. <laughs> Paul described something that really resonated with me and that I identified with. He loves to be busy, he loves to go, go, go. I don't. I don't love being busy, but I am so busy. I am hounded by this idea of being lazy. And so it's like to counteract that, I seem to keep myself really busy. It's a coping strategy for me. If I'm super busy, I'm not thinking about dad. I'm not thinking about the fact I've just sold my house and I've actually got nowhere to live. I'm not thinking about all of the stuff and the emotions and the yucky feelings that we often cover up and hide behind our busyness. Paul really encouraged us last week to bring those hard memories and difficult emotions and our yucky feelings to Jesus and to lay them there. And I have found that with my Christian counselor to be such a useful thing to do, even just to identify that they're there. When we were praying before church, I really felt the Lord impress this part on me about maybe some of you who could identify with that. And if that's the case, at the end, I would really love to pray with you, particularly any of you who feel like over the years, particularly when you were children, that people maybe said something over you or enabled you, particularly the word lazy. And if you feel that a lot of your doing, 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 like me, is to overcome this fear of being lazy or anything that's been spoken over you that has impacted your life, I really feel the Lord wants to take that off you today. So please come forward at the end and speak to me or get prayer. This week, We'll get there eventually. I'm going to talk about worship. Um, in preparation, I went to the Alps last week. <laughs> <laughs> it's the place that I feel closest to God. I feel that in many places, but there in the Alps, oh my goodness, it's just wonderful. Um, I've been trying to mull over this idea of worship for a, for a few weeks. And in the mornings, I will often, on my drive to work, Jesus sits beside me, like I know he resonates with me, but he also sits beside me in the car, and we would chat quite often. And I think I'm pretty typical. When we think of worship, we automatically think of the worship team and the band and praise, and that is worship. Maybe you're wondering, like I was, why am I speaking on this subject and not somebody from the praise team? But I kind of kind of knew that worship was more than that, but what was it? I hadn't really given it a lot of thought. And of course, worship is singing songs, um, and it is praising God. We think of the heavenly host singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Years ago, driving to work and singing away, I imagine you do the same thing. 
and the Lord really gave me this image and I imagined worship being like a fast track into his presence. I kind of had this idea of intrepid explorers battling their way through jungles and like vines and undergrowth and trying to get to this holy city into God's presence. And right beside them in this image that I had in my mind was like a fast flowing rapid river with a canoe. And rather than battle to get to God's presence, worship is like, that, as in the singing and the praise, is like sitting in the canoe being taken straight into God's presence. And I know that many probably feel that way too. Thinking of worship in other terms is a bit of an abstract idea. Thinking of it in singing makes it easier to relate to. Expressing our adoration of God through song. So musing over this, talking to Jesus about it in the car, various times, I felt the Lord really impress upon me the word honouring. Quickly followed up with, do as unto the Lord. So that kind of made me really curious about what that could be, because that kind of builds it up to be anything really. What honours God? How has he built each of us to uniquely honour him? My Auntie Susie's living with me at the minute. She loves Sabbath. She's always taking her notes, taking photographs of the screen. I just am waiting for them to start coming into my inbox and work in my WhatsApp messages to remind me. We've been watching season two of The Chosen. Um, and, you know, you like, is there ever a week we don't talk about The Chosen? <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody else imagine Jonathan Ruby when they're talking to Jesus as well? <laughs> But there was one particular episode, it's the episode where the disciples along with Jesus and Mary are celebrating the Feast of the Tabernacles, the first day of which is treated like Sabbath as it happens, and I know this because I looked it up. It's a three-day pilgrimage festival when the Jewish people would gather to celebrate and to remember God's provision in the wilderness, and to look ahead to a time when God would tabernacle personally with us, as described in Revelation, describing New Jerusalem. In this particular episode, Nathaniel, if you remember, Nathaniel was the architect whose buildings had fallen down and then he burnt his plans underneath the fig tree, thinking God didn't see him, of course that he did. <laughs> so Nathaniel had the job of building and creating the booth that they would typically celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles in. And it was beautiful, it was all, he had his designs out and he was getting help and he was putting grapes up and boughs of trees and greenery. It was really beautiful. Probably something like the women's ministry team have created for the upcoming women's night. Jesus turns to Nathaniel when he gets there and he says, the beauty of this booth is itself an act of worship. The beauty of this booth is itself an act of worship. Which of course caught my attention because this is the area that I'm looking at. And it might not be scripture, but it really got me thinking. When we use our God-given talents and creativity, we are honouring him. When we revel in nature and his creativity, noticing it, taking time to acknowledge his majesty, we bless his heart when we are worshipping him. God has commanded us to observe the Sabbath and to keep it holy. Holy means to set apart, dedicate it to God for special purposes. It's not just a day for chilling out and relaxing and kicking back. There's a subtle but crucial difference in doing the things that bring us joy and bring him joy. And they're very often the same, similar things. In one, the awareness is on us. In the other, the awareness is on him. Worship is loving God and letting him love us. 
If we think of that Feast of the Tabernacles, remembering God's goodness, or any other thing that represents a fun, joyful time, there's a slight difference between sitting around the table and having crack with your mates, or sitting around the table and discussing what God's doing in your life and thanking him for his provision. I don't know what mealtime looks like in your house. Maybe you eat around the table often, or maybe once a week. How could you make that a more holy experience? In our house in the months before Dad died, knowing that he was coming, becoming more unwell, and that a time was coming when we'd struggle to find things to be grateful for, I, I started practice of naming things we were grateful for in that day. How do we saw? It wasn't a very creative song, and the praise band for a reason. Having said grace, we'd each go around the table one by one and say something we were grateful for in that day. It couldn't, couldn't be the food, it couldn't be the, someone else would say it. So faith loved to get in first. And we would, in the last days before Dad died, we were shoehorning every activity known to man into those days. So we had a really fun times in what was a very difficult period of time for us. We made a point of eating together um, nearly every day. And in, and in those times, there wasn't one day when we, but particularly when Dad, didn't find something to be grateful for. It was an intentional practice and it generated banter and conversation. Anyone who came to dinner had to participate. It brought an awareness to our day and to God, honouring him for the many blessings in a time when it was sometimes hard to see those. But what do you do with the other 15 hours of Sunday? When I'm not, I'm not doing work admin and life admin and running around shopping and cleaning, what are you going to do on your Sunday? I was delighted that in the teaching notes, it started to talk a little bit about prayerful meditation. And so I've already sort of talked about that a little bit. It's something I've been practicing the last lot of months. And I just can't begin to remove all the benefits that I have discovered. So it was already something Sabbath-like I was doing. So I was like, all right, okay, this is great. I know how to do this, this is super. In those months after Dad's funeral, I found myself totally overwhelmed. I yeah, burnt out by everything the past six years, but in particular the past three years, as his condition just kept turning the wrong corner. I went back, as I said, to my Christian counsellor, and she took, spoke to me a lot about secondary trauma and PTSD. And she sent me off to practice soaking prayer and scriptural meditation. Not new agey things, not Eastern meditation, not transcendental meditation. They're all practices that focus on oneself, not on God, and it's not a practice I would encourage. But rather, I'm talking about practice that puts God up front and central. Calling to mind and thinking over and dwelling on the purposes and promises of God. It's spoken about in the Psalms. For example, Psalm 77, verse 12 says, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Ponder and meditate. Personally, I couldn't think of any worse. Being still for periods of time, locked in my own head with my own thoughts. No way. No, that will be a no from me. The reason I keep myself so insanely busy is so I don't think too much. But we're talking, I'm talking now about um, an activity that focuses and thinks on God and his goodness. It's an activity of holy thought, consciously performed in the presence of God as a means of communication with God. So I started two minutes, four minutes, ten minutes. And then that one day I actually did two hours. Two hours? Like, what else would you do? Two hours? This is well, I was off work. <laughs> draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 
last week when Paul was speaking, I felt the Lord remind me that in when we're crazy, busy, go, 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 we, we, we can't hear from him. We can't hear the small, quiet voice when our mind is so busy. We can't remember where we put our passport the night before we're due to fly. <laughs> the experience of prayer for meditation was so profound. I've made a weekly habit a couple of times a week. I try really hard to squeeze it in. So it's a practice that sits really well with the Sabbath to be still and know. So we're going to practice. We're going to do a little bit of soaking prayer, the kind of thing that I was working on. Don't panic. You don't have to. If it feels a bit weird for you, don't feel you have to participate. If you do, it's only going to take a minute. We're going to do deep breathing and I'm going to try and talk us through a little scriptural meditation. This is something I do often and it's also something I do at the end of my Pilates classes when I put on instrumental worship music and get everybody to focus on a little bit of scripture. What we're going to do is sit nice and comfortably. At home I would normally get on my bed on the floor, get in a warm blanket, something where you're not thinking about how your back is sore or your knees at a wrong angle. So the chair works alright. So we're going to sit nice and comfortably, relax your shoulders. We're going to take nice long slow breaths in through your nose and out through your mouth. Let your awareness just start to settle on God. Holy Spirit, help us to focus on your presence and remove any distractions from our minds. As you take your big, long, deep breath in, think about how your ribcage expands out towards your elbows and not up towards your ears. We're going to take a breath in for the count of four. We'll breathe in, two, three, four, out, two, three, four. And this next breath in, the Lord is my shepherd. Breath out, I shall not want. And again, the Lord is my shepherd, and out, I shall not want, maybe even, the Lord is my provider, I shall not want, breathe in, the Lord is my protector. I shall not want. And you can open your eyes there. That was about one minute. I started to get in the habit of doing maybe 10 minutes, just focusing on one of those things going around in my mind. For me, I focused on the Lord as my provider. I shall not want. And I would let the Lord speak to me and remind me of all of his provision for me. Another really nice spiritual meditation is be still and know. I noticed this week Marty had shared on the Vineyard Facebook page that broken down into all of the little bits and that's something that my counselor had sent me off to do, to be still. Be still and know. Be still and know that I am the Lord.
and just bring that down. So I thought that's kind of cool that he shared that too. I, sometimes I do this with Christian worship music, um, but the words sometimes are a bit distracting because I, I sing along and then I kind of lose it a little. But Alberto and Kimberly Rivera um, have a really, they've got lots of worship music there and it's instrumental and you can get so lost in it with that little meditation in your mind listening to that music. And it's just a wonderful way to really bask in God's glory, meditating on him. Another way worship, uh, form of worship is what I know you all really resonate with this. It's how we're wired individually to enjoy God and to just praise him. And so if I was to ask you to shout out and tell me how is Paul wired to love and worship him and, and run with God, well there you go, run with God. He loves running, he loves mountains, he loves orienteering, to the point where we all know there's a big orienteering like, event coming to Northern Ireland and it's in Cary Fergus and he's helping organise it because he's passionate about it. If we think about Chantelle, how does Chantelle naturally express her worship for God? And it's in connecting with people, it's in service and hospitality. Perhaps you love to be in the kitchen, baking or cooking or creating new recipes. Maybe you love to be out around Loch Mourne in the trees and into nature. Maybe you're one of the really crazy people like Liam who likes to go down into the sea. Whatever it is, it's how you're wired. For me, I'm wired when I am in the mountains snoring. This was me last week. <sighs> Sitting, looking at Mulgog, down the Chamonix Valley, the air crisp and clear and sharp and clean with my friends, taking off on my snowboard down the mountain, feeling the wind in my face at the speed, catching the lovely lines. All my friends around me trying not to trip each other up coming down through the trees that are covered in snow just like i naturally start many times lord you are so good you're the alpha and the omega you are the almighty you are i'm just naturally starting to express my worship in god jesus lives in me he lives in each of us i have no trouble believing that he was also loving life as i was hurtling down the side of a mountain Say heart loving probably at about 13 miles a hour. <laughs> Whatever makes your heart sing, do that. God has placed that within you. And when you indulge in that, you're indulging Him. He is with you and He delights in you. You're honoring and you're worshiping. Alternatively, it might be stillness, it might be reading. I also also love to read and learn and feel like the Lord is really directing my reading and learning. It could be fishing, it could be bird washing, it could be spending time with your friends discussing what God is doing in your life right now. It's his expression of holiness in you, and that is the good news. We no longer have to go to the temple to worship as in the Old Testament. We are the temple. Jesus says that in John 4, 21-24, woman, Jesus replied, and I appreciate this isn't that easy to read, but there's one thing in the background, and that's right there. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet the time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. 
for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Being true to what God has placed inside you and connecting your spirit to his spirit, like the way I did, hurtling down those mountains with a plank of wood, is what we've been discussing. If we do a little quick recap and you're thinking you know, the things that bring you joy and make your heart sing, how do they fit in with what we've been talking these last few weeks? Stop. Is that activity ceasing what you do on a normal work day? For example, a landscape garden, it might be too much like work if you're then gardening all weekend, or perhaps not, maybe that still makes your heart sing. I might teach Pilates at night for a job, but I still love a movement practice where I celebrate how well my body, but not well, how my body moves and how God has created it, and just uh, that lovely freedom of movement. I can still worship God that way. Rest. Is your activity restful? Does it fill your soul with a new energy, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, physically? Delight. Does this activity bring you deep, visceral joy of God? Do you find yourself naturally happy and grateful, connected to God? And worship. Does this activity connect you more deeply to his goodness and his beauty? Do you find yourself coming alive to his wonder and spontaneously praising his name? Once you've learned to abide for a few minutes, maybe in each day of your, the rest of your Sunday, maybe trying to expand that out to a little bit longer, and possibly even carrying that through to your next six days, refilling again on the seventh day. Coming into land. So <laughs> <laughs> bad. Well, they start making their way back up here. I don't want it to become a real religious thing because I know I can hang on to that. So I'm not going to set myself a big, massive challenge that I'm not going to make and then I'll just get defeated and disheartened. I know it's really hard to set a whole 24 hours aside every week, so I'm not going to start off on a bad foot. I've decided I'm going to create a Sunday morning until 1 o'clock, that I don't do any work admin, that I live here for most of that time. But then throughout the rest of the day, I'm going to try and do that spiritual, scriptural meditation a few times. I'm going to make a commitment to do no work or life admin on a Sunday. And then as I tetra my activities around a little bit better in the week, trying to fit them into other times, perhaps I'll find that Sunday becomes a bit more spacious. On week two, Kate, in the email afterwards, shared this lovely prayer. And I've just put it up. I know it's not particularly easy to see on the screen, but it was nearly like a bit of a blueprint. When I went down through that prayer, I wrote on it for me the things that I'm going to do. And each week that might look a little bit different, and it gives me something to follow and help focus on. If you go back and you find your email, you might be able to do the same thing for you. You'll notice that near the bottom I'm committed to a whole one chapter of my Bible. Because <laughs> that gives me loads of scope to improve. Little, small, incremental changes. Like I said a wee while ago, if anything we've spoken about over the last few weeks resonates with you, if you find it really hard to even identify with this, where would you, what would you do with your Sunday? But particularly if you feel that things and words have been spoken over you in the past, which has created this endless, busy, busy, busy 
if you find it really hard to stop because you know those yucky emotions are simmering beneath the surface, please come forward. Let someone pray with you. Be brave enough to talk that out. Sometimes faith has a lovely book called The Big Bag of Worries. Sometimes when we take those out and look at them, they disappear just by being in the light. Please come and share that with somebody. If anybody practices the sort of prayer, that spiritual that scriptural meditation, let me know. I'd love to hear from you as well. And thank you for your attention.